It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. One thing that's been on my mind and my heart a lot lately, Whitney, which you are privy to, and people on the podcast, longtime listeners may also be privy to this. I haven't really talked a lot about it on social media publicly, which is the fact that I am really considering moving out of Los Angeles. I've teased it in previous episodes. We've talked about it. And it's something that's been on my mind a lot as 2020 rolls on. It's been an interesting thing psychologically and spiritually to sit with this idea of moving because I've been in LA almost 14 years. And as a kid, it was my dream to move out here. And the idea of moving somewhere else has brought up a lot of really interesting emotions with, you know, of fear and trepidation and wondering if I'm going to make a right decision or a wrong decision. It's been, I don't know, it's been something for me that's kind of loaded and something that I'm not taking lightly in terms of my decision-making. And as part and parcel of that, it's been fascinating to see some of our friends and acquaintances moving out of New York City. I sent you an article the other day about written this article and Another colleague of ours sent me an article today about the attrition rate of people in New York and San Francisco and Chicago moving to places like Nashville and Portland and Denver and Phoenix and Austin. And it just seems like there's a, I don't know, I don't know if it's hyperbole or if it's actually like there are that many people leaving big cities, but it seems like this is a thing. And it's been a challenging thing to sit with. And I think what I want to dive into today is this idea of chapters in our lives and the different chapters in our lives, and also how I feel like I'm kind of at the end of this particular chapter. And it's a lot of times it makes me really uncomfortable to think about this and now finally publicly to talk about it with. Well, it's funny because um, (laughs) just to be perfectly frank, you talk about it so much, Jason. And I don't know if you realize how often you talk about this. So it's funny to me that you really you feel like you don't because really also what's funny is that Whenever I've mentioned you wanting to move and passing to people like my mom or some of our mutual friends, the common response, which I don't know if I've ever mentioned to you before, but no. the most common response that people have is, oh, Jason's been saying that for years. like it's almost like a cliche thing and i guess now i'm at this point where i'm like well we'll see if he actually pulls the trigger but yeah i mean you really have been talking about this for a long time which to me makes me feel like it's inevitable and then part of me feels like it's never gonna happen (laughs) so so um, I'm, I'm curious, but yeah, I think in your friend circle, everybody's heard you talk about moving for a long time. So it's no surprise to hear you bring this up again. Yeah, I th- I, it's interesting you reflect that back to me because again, sometimes I think we're not fully aware of what we talk about or what we focus on until the people in our lives that we're closest to, and you are one of the closest people in my life. That's like, oh, yeah, you've been talking smack about leaving L.A. for a long time, which that's just fascinating feedback, first of all. I mean, doesn't your mom say that to you? I feel like you probably talk to her about it just as much, if not more. Yeah. 
It's an interesting thing because I feel like we had a conversation being my mom and I the other day about, you know, the New York article, which we'll link to in the show notes at wellevator.com, which is W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. This really interesting blog post and also this transplant.to website, which is tracking people's movements. Really, really fascinating stuff that's happening with people relocating. But there's theories, right, of between the financial devastation between the taxes and the that major cities are in like LA, New York, San Francisco, and then add that to the attrition rate of young professionals and artists that are leaving these cities. The question that has been coming up is when and how are big cities going to rebound from this? And when I say big cities, I mean in particular the four that I've been reading about have been LA, New York, San Francisco, Chicago. And those are four of the cities that have a high, high attrition rate of people leaving those cities right now and also, you know, the whole time during quarantine and COVID. I guess to me, Whitney is like, to reflect on this feedback I've been talking about or threatening to leave LA for a while, it's a question of does the cost of living and the attendant challenges that we deal with by living in a place like LA, does that merit staying? And when will things be back on track? You know, the entertainment industry, live music, going to concerts, the restaurant industry, will it rebound here? Will LA get out of its financial deficit? Are they going to raise taxes on us, whether that's city and state income taxes? Are they going to you know, raise the rate of incorporating a business here? There's a lot of unknowns, I guess, is what I'm saying. And you know, the big thing for me is I'm at a stage in my life now, and you know this, I've been talking about this for about four years now, that I really want to buy property. And there was some potential talk about the real estate market taking a hit here, which it hasn't. And just kind of looking around for what I'm able to afford and what I want to spend on a house, it doesn't appear to me that that's going to happen anytime soon in Los Angeles. I could be wrong. The real estate market could tank here. But I guess my big thing, Wit, is does the cost of living here justify me staying anymore? That's really one of the biggest things is like wanting to invest more, put more money aside for retirement, buy a house. It's been really hard to do that here with the cost of living. And moreover, I've lived in all the big cities. I lived in the Bay Area. I lived in New York City. I've been in LA 14 years. I lived in Chicago. I grew up in Detroit. And I don't know. I think it's not just the financial part of it and my goals in life. I think I might be ready for a different experience because, you know, 14 years in LA is a good run, but I feel like I'm in the mood for something a little bit quieter, more nature, and a place where I can actually afford to buy property. Understandable. And it's interesting to reflect on that because oftentimes when you bring up the desire to move, I reflect on my relationship with Los Angeles and I feel pretty content here, all things considered. I think sometimes I feel very drawn to New York City, but similar to what you're seeing, Jason, I saw this video the other night about... I I see a lot on TikTok and I've sent you at least one of the videos I've seen, but Sometimes we'll see content about what it's like to live in Los Angeles and the changing landscape. And I meant like what it's like to live in New York and how New York is changing. And some people are predicting like maybe for good, (laughs) you know, like it might permanently be changed. And I think it's interesting because I feel like LA has not changed that much to your point, Jason. And so I wonder, does New York feel different to the people that are living there now? Does it feel different to the people that are from the outside? Like to me, I don't have much perspective over what it's like to live in New York 
because I haven't ever. And some people say that it's really great. And some people say that it's really bad. And they don't want to live there anymore. And they're questioning it too. And I think this is happening in places all over the world. Like People are really starting to evaluate their living situation. And I think that I consider what it would be like to move out of LA. But there's enough here. And it feels comfortable enough for me that I don't have that big desire. Sometimes when we talk about subjects like 5G, I wonder like, hmm, you know, like on an energetic level, is it the best place to live? Probably not. Is it draining? Yes. Is it, you know, there's a lot of things that could be compromising to your health or security, your safety, your finances. There's a lot of drawbacks. And I wonder sometimes, are the pros to living in Los Angeles going to change a lot or have they already changed during COVID? You know, right, right. One of the big benefits of living in the city is the social scene. And that I've often said that it's so easy to make friends here for me, to make business connections, to do business opportunities. And with a lot of those things shifting to be virtual now, maybe LA isn't as great, you know, like, when I think back on those, it was like going to events and parties. And there's so many that happen in LA. And I think some happen in New York as well. But it feels like most invites I get for New York, I don't feel like I'm missing out on. But like a lot of the stuff that's happening in LA tends to be health and wellness focused, and then social media focused. And there's just so many like creative types here. And so many cool spaces and a lot of the cool tech companies are based in LA or somewhere in California. And it's very accessible. And so over the years, I've done a lot. For example, YouTube space, like I used to go there a lot. And I was thinking about how they started that co-working space that you and I went and tested out, Jason, last year in 2019. And how like, clearly that's no longer happening. And then all these different events that happen and how they're moving around. I mean, even Expo East moving from Baltimore to Philly, like who knows where things are going to shift over time. And so we might just become less and less dependent on our location. And it just hasn't hit me quite as hard as it's hit you, I think, Jason. Like for me, my cost of living is really low based on the place that I have. It's incredibly affordable. You know, like it's not... (laughs) a huge stretch. I kind of got grandfathered into an incredible deal. And I'm really happy with that. And I feel like my living situation is good. And I'm not that interested in owning property at this phase of my life, unlike yourself. Like, it just doesn't appeal to me that much, even though it sounds like a great financial decision. It's just not an interest. It can get hot all around the country. So the heat in LA just isn't that big of a deal and it doesn't last that long. Whereas like some parts of the country, it's so extremely hot and then it's extremely cold. And that I wonder too, like temperature is a big factor for me. Lifestyle access to the restaurants and the people and all of these things. And I think right now, even if it's kind of out of ignorance or naivete. It's like, I feel like LA has not changed that much during COVID, but we're not through it yet. And so it'll be interesting to see what will happen. But then it makes me wonder, like, where else will feel appealing? When you talk about moving to a city like Austin, Texas, I know a lot of people are moving there. And it just doesn't excite me that much. I've been there a couple of times. I think it's cool. I have nothing wrong with Austin, but I'm not like 
I don't get excited to think about living there. Yeah, right, I don't, right. you know, whereas when I, I was excited to move to San Francisco when I lived there, I don't want to go back and live there at this time. But then sometimes our friends that live in Sacramento, they make it sound kind of appealing. But then I wonder, is it appealing because it's less expensive? And like, would I really feel happy? And then I start to reflect on, and this is such a rant, so there's a lot of different thoughts that go through my head, but spend a lot of time on your own and inside. And I think that one big thing that I'm missing right now is living in a place where I really enjoy taking walks outside. So from my neighborhoods, I just feel like Eh, I get kind of bored. Like I've walked (laughs) to the area enough. Like, I don't know, there's not much more to explore. And there's just a lot of cars and people around. And when I take a walk, I often just want to be by myself or I want to be in nature. I want to see something unique. And when I was growing up in Massachusetts, we had incredible trails. And even though they were familiar because it was nature, it was constantly changing. There was always something subtle about it that was different than the walk before. In the city, sure, that can happen. You know, there's different people each time you're out. And sure, there's some nature. It's not like there aren't any trees where I live. But I guess like the changes are not quite as obvious or as exciting to me versus like being immersed in nature and and being able to go breathe some fresh air and take a break and listen to the birds and, and all the subtleties that change in that type of environment. That I think is to visit that every once in a while when I feel like I need it. And I don't know yet. I mean, Los Angeles has just had a lot of perks to me that have made it worth living in. And I suppose I'm not at that place where you are, Jason. Like I think that you are examining it. You've been reflecting on it for a long time. This has been a long time coming for you. And it's so frequent. But my question continuously is for you to think about like the long-term elements of moving, you know, like I know a number of friends too that are are planning on or thinking of moving. I actually can think of three right off the top of my head. Really? All Angelinos? One wants to move her family from LA to maybe Southern California, closer to San Diego. One is actually planning on moving to Austin, Texas with her family. Actually, she lives a little outside of L.A. And then another one of my friends who lives in a different part of Southern California is planning on moving to New Jersey to where her family is. And hearing that, my heart feels sad. I don't, you know, it's like I already don't see these people that frequently, but I see them enough. And there's that comfort in knowing that they're nearby. And so... I think when you do make that decision to move, it'll be really challenging because I see you probably more than anybody else, even during COVID. I've seen you more frequently than any of my other friends. And it just seems strange. I think almost this time of COVID already created a lot of distance for us. I'm not you and me, Jason, but like us as human beings. And so it sounds kind of scary for people to leave this area because then I think, all right, great. Like there's another barrier. You know, I think about some of my friends that I'll see maybe once a year, maybe every other year. Sometimes it's every few years. And so much can change in that time. Do we need that much much distance? Is it worth that distance from one another? Because chances are if you move, Jason and I move, like who knows when we'd see each other again. And I think that's an important consideration 
to reflect on like with anybody that you're really close to is it is it worth moving somewhere away from a really good friend of yours because yeah. that plays a huge role in your mental health yeah if we blow that out for me it's almost like the idea of home is a very layered and complex and nuanced concept for me you know when you say the word home i think that in my mind i thought that i would be mm, rooted in a different way in LA after almost 14 years. And I still don't feel fully rooted here, but I also do at the same time in certain ways in the sense that being far away from my blood family, which most of them are in Detroit in the Detroit metro area. Some of my dad's families in Puerto Rico. I have two cousins on the West coast, but the great majority of everybody in my family is in Detroit. And the challenge, even though I knew I was ready to leave back in 2005, was that once I really started to create, I suppose, my chosen family, we use the word tribe, we use the word set, we use the word friend group. But to me, it's like family. It's like a non-blood, like a chosen family, right? And in LA, even though I say I have a lot of friends in Austin, which you mentioned, Portland is another city that I'm strongly considering. I have friends there too. I have friends in New York, friends in Chicago, friends in Detroit. We have friends all over, but there's some quality to having been in LA for almost 14 years where I feel like I have a chosen family and you are clearly one of those members of my chosen family. You know, you feel like blood to me in terms of how we relate. And that's not something I take lightly. Also, if I had to really look at why I've stayed, even though I've had the notion to leave LA because I find certain aspects of living here very frustrating and very challenging that the people has really kept me here. You know, the idea of leaving my chosen family, many people who you and I have been really close for eight years now. We've known each other longer, but we've been really close for eight years. I have friends like Adam, who's been a guest on the podcast here. You know, I've known Adam almost all of the 14 years I've been here. I have really deep, close friendships. And so if I strip away the business opportunities, which to your point, I don't know that being in LA for business is going to be the same as it was post-COVID. We don't know that it'll be that much of a necessity. The food is great. The culture, the music, the entertainment. Yeah, all that stuff. But what's really kept me here on an emotional level has been the people. And the idea of moving somewhere else and, quote, starting over feels daunting in certain ways. It feels daunting to think about making a new set of friends or creating a new community or plugging into a new community, it feels intimidating. And in some ways, I'm emotionally invested with the people here. And I'm glad you touched on that because it's almost a conflict is what I'm saying, right? It's like the deep connections and the deep friendships and the deep business relationships I have that are centered in Los Angeles are important to me. Yet, I'm extremely frustrated with the absolutely astronomical cost of living here which I was hoping secretly that the real estate market would tank here. I hope it still does. No disrespect to anyone who's already invested, but I hope it does tank so that I can have an easier time investing here. But it's frustrating, Whitney. It's frustrating to work your ass off for so many years and then be like, I still don't feel like I'm ahead. I still don't feel like I'm any closer to my financial goal or putting more money aside or having housing. And that's you know one of the primary reasons why I do want to leave is for what I rent this house for, if I go to a place like Portland or Austin, as those are the top two contenders, my housing cost will be 50% less or greater simply by moving to those cities, right? It's like, 
whatever I pay for this house now will literally be cut in half or more. And that's significant. You know, I can't discount that. So I guess all of this rant is to say I feel conflicted because of the depth of my emotional relationships and my chosen family here. And then my desire to feel like I'm not on the hamster wheel of working my ass to the bone and not feeling like I'm getting ahead because the cost of living is so high. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think it seems like it's a big financial consideration for you. And a lot of people make that same decision. And I think this is an interesting thing, too, because when you first brought that up, I thought like, gosh, it just feels worth the money. Like, (laughs) I mean, it certainly would be nice to feel less burdened by the expenses. But like I said, my cost of living is not that high here because of my current living situation. It's actually my car is <laughs> is uh, not that it doesn't cost as much as my house, but uh, my car payments are daunting to me. But I've made that commitment, you know, and I think about that too, how I love my car so much. And this is actually a great example. Having the Tesla was a, a dream of mine. And I remember before I got it really weighing out, like, do I want to take on this financial weight and I never regretted it. I make it work every single month. And there are some months that are a lot more challenging than others, but it brings me so much joy. That's okay with me. And I think it's similar with LA that LA right now and up until now, at least has brought me a lot of joy and felt really good. You know, I'm looking out the window right now at palm trees and growing up, like I loved palm trees so much and just Being in a a city, LA is not the only place you can see palm trees, but that is like a nice thing and having that nice weather and and all those other things that I listed, there's just so much about LA that works for me. And it's worth that financial strain. And I think for you, Jason, the financial strain is really, really tough for you. But what I wonder though, is this grass is greener type of mentality. You could move and then get used to that cost of living and then feel stressed again. You know, it's just like the opposite can be true where we think if we make more money, we'll be happier, but it's never about the money. So sometimes I wonder, frankly, if you want to move as like a way to feel better, but like what if you moved and you still didn't feel better and then now you have all the cons of where you've moved to and no longer the pros of living in Los Angeles? I hear that. And that's definitely a a thing that's made me pause on it is, oh, you don't want to make the quote wrong move, even though there's no wrong move. And then be like, oh God, why did I leave? However, the thought that I had this morning was whenever I've left any of the cities I've lived in, when I left Detroit to move to Chicago, when I left Chicago to go back to Detroit, when I left Detroit to come to LA or, you know, New York, the Bay Area, I spent a summer in London, whatever. It's like, I don't look back on those moves and go, oh God, why did I do that? So I don't know that necessarily I would feel a sense of regret because if I look at all those moves in all the cities I've lived in, I don't long to be back in any of those places. I'm like, oh, I wish I could just go back to Queens. It's never really a thought. I love New York. I love to visit, but I certainly don't miss living there and certainly not in the current situation we're all in. But I hear your point on the grass is greener thing. I think to me, what I've been ruminating on is almost like a feeling. Like if we take the intellectual part of this out, like investments, housing, finances, me thinking it'll be quote easier if I move somewhere, which you do bring up a very valid point. 
I also like in my body, there's a familiar feeling and there's a familiar feeling. I'm not even sure if I can characterize it. I don't know if I've ever tried to characterize this feeling. When you start to feel like you're over something, it's almost like it's not the exact same, but it's a similar feeling that when I've been in a job in the past and knew that I was ready to quit, I was like, I'm definitely ready to go. Or in a romantic relationship where I was like, I'm definitely done with this. I'm getting really close to the point and the feeling is similar with of, I think I'm really done with LA. It's not 100% like I'm ready to get the fuck out right now, but it's in that emotional sphere of feeling, quote, done with it and getting close to being done with it, if that makes sense. It's a similar feeling to wanting to leave a job and a similar feeling to like, oh, yeah, I'm done with this relationship. I think we're really at the end of this. And it's hard to characterize what that feeling is like. It's not anxiety per se. It's not a desperation. I don't, it's hard to describe when you're done with something. I don't know. Do you ever feel that way? Do you know what I'm talking about when you're like, yeah, I'm like done with this. It's hard to describe what that feeling is like. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I know what you mean. Like when you describe it, I understand the concept of it. And I'm trying to think of when the last time I had that feeling, if ever. (laughs) I suppose with certain jobs, I remember leaving them. And there's always a feeling of, is this the right decision for me as you're describing? Like, for example, when I left working for Apple. But what I tend to do, and even in that case, is I will hold on to it for as long as possible and then only let go when I have to. Like That's typically my style, I suppose. And it's kind of like not that far off from hoarding in some ways. (laughs) Whereas like, or for me wanting to push myself to be more minimalist in my thinking and my things, all the possessions and actions and all that. I often strive to finish something, finish a project, be done with it. But it's really tough for me to let go because there's always that feeling of what if, what if I need this thing again? What if I want this thing again? Sometimes you just have to make that decision. And like I brought up Apple, for example, because I worked there for, I think like six and a half years or something. And sometimes I wonder like, huh, maybe would I ever go back to working for Apple? Because there were so many perks to working there. And I remember when I left, I did have the convenience of moving because my last job at Apple was at the store in San Francisco. And so I was moving the city. I didn't know if I would go back to San Francisco. And so there was like kind of this possibility, maybe I'll come back. Maybe this will just be a temporary move, you know, or maybe I'll transfer to another Apple store. So I kind of like hung on to my position and just like took a leave of absence. And then that leave of absence eventually just became me fully quitting. It was funny looking back on that because it, it was really tough for me to end that phase of my life. And... I can definitely relate when it comes to jobs. Relationships are interesting. I think I've kind of done that with some relationships as well. And there's that kind of phase. And I think you've been in this too, Jason, where it's like almost like a gray area. Like, yeah, we're not spending as much time together anymore. Or we'll see what happens. And I'm dating other people now or whatever it is. And then one day you're like, oh, I guess that relationship is over. (laughs) So long story short, I don't really know the feeling of being done with something because I tend to hold on more. 
And I noticed that a lot in my life. And I don't think it's a huge deal. I think it'd be easier if I could just feel done with something a lot faster. I like that idea of just like closing a door. But as I've talked about in several episodes, I'm not a black and white person. It's not like I want this and now I don't want this. I'm more like, well, I kind of want it. <laughs> you know, like I'm that gray area person who can see both sides for better or for worse. And I think I feel that way about LA. So there's always part of me that's like, sure, I would leave. Like, I guess I should say I'm not attached to Los Angeles, but I'm also not at a place where you are. I feel like it's time for me to leave. Yeah. But I also don't feel like you're truly at a place like time for me. If you truly were ready to leave, Jason, you would just leave. And you've... That's true. I mean, before quarantine started, you were pretty gung-ho about moving to Las Vegas. And now I haven't, I haven't heard you talk about Las Vegas since. No. And so that's interesting too. Like, how did you go from feeling so sure about moving to Vegas to now you don't even talk about Vegas anymore and it's only been like what, five months or something? So yeah, right before quarantine started in late February, I was in Vegas looking at houses there and had a realtor I was working with. And we have mutual friends, uh, one of which is Kelly Bennett, who was one of our very first guests on the podcast. We'll link to Kelly's wonderful episode in the show notes at wellevator.com. Our website is wellevator.com. We have show notes and links for all of the episodes, including all of the resources we're going to mention in this episode as well. And, you know, talking to Kelly and Jen and Jackie and, and a lot of our friends and acquaintances in Vegas, it was like, okay, there's a cool music scene. There's a cool food scene. It's only a few hours if you want to drive from LA. And, you know, again, we go back to the cost of living, right? Is from a perspective of running a business, there's a lot of tax advantages there where I would be saving a lot of money, not paying certain taxes, state taxes and corporation taxes. And again, you can buy... For a house that would be like seven fifty, eight hundred thousand in LA, which FYI, for anyone who doesn't live in LA, that's a standard price on a house now in LA. Like that's a basic house, it's like seven fifty, eight hundred. You know, a place like Vegas, you get a similar house for three fifty. Now, that's a huge consideration, right? It's like, oh, I'm gonna spend seven hundred and fifty thousand or get a similar house in a different city that's decently close by for four hundred thousand dollars less. That's a big, big consideration. So it was all those factors of like, okay, maybe I can like do the music thing and do the podcast remotely. There's a cool food scene. There's a cool music scene. But there were a couple things. When COVID hit, I was talking to my mentor and my good friend, Ron, who I've known for many years. And Ron has been in Vegas for about eight or nine years. He's done some performing there. He was on Broadway for many years. So he's done some performing in Vegas. He's done some wellness work. He's a body worker there. And he said it's been devastating, you know, like Cirque du Soleil, all the performers have packed up and left Vegas. A lot of his performing friends, his singing friends, his musician friends have left. And he said the culture there has been devastated because the tourism is down 91%, right? It was a blessing that I didn't pull the trigger on a house, right? Can you imagine if I would have bought a house and then moved to Vegas? Shit, that would have been like, this is fucking horrible for me in the sense that I wanted to go there and perform and do music and get into the you know, all that stuff we're talking about. So part of it was hearing from Ron about how devastating it's been for the arts and culture scene in Vegas, the COVID period. And also, you know, do I want to live in 116 degree heat? You know, I was talking to our friend Jackie Soban and she's like, oh yeah, I was 116 today. I'm like, uh, I don't think I want to live in that. A, because that sounds really awful for my constitution. 
and my dog, Bella. My dog, Bella, is a French bulldog. We mentioned her on the show, I think, a few times. And that girl, she doesn't do well in heat. She doesn't function well. And so all of those considerations, Whitney, is like, I'm not keen on Vegas anymore. It's It doesn't seem like a place that is going to rebound well from the devastation of COVID, according to what I hear. And it's also, you know, like living on the face of the sun. And I don't think I want to live in that. Well, I know you've talked about places like Austin. I think sometimes you think about moving closer to your mom in Detroit. You've talked about Oregon. And also, sometimes you talk about moving like an hour or so outside of LA. So, right. I mean, that's a very different story. Like, you don't necessarily have to live in Los Angeles, but I feel like if you live anywhere within an hour or two, like in my head, that's still kind of like living in LA. You're just not actually in the city. And that's a completely different story that makes a lot of sense, you know? And sometimes I think about how cool it would be to live in a house instead of an apartment or something, you know? And you are living in a house, but I guess like <laughs> I don't think of your house in the traditional sense of a house where like you have all this space between you and your neighbors. And, you know, I think of like my parents' home or something. But it's interesting. I'm curious, like, what your perspective is, because you have been living in a house. You're, you've just been renting it. So it's a little bit different. I mean, I wanted to move to a house for a long time. I wanted to buy a house in LA, but that's another ball of wax financially. And I've been in this particular house renting for two and a half years. And it's nice being in a house, right? Because I'm not sharing any walls with any neighbors. And that I've had a lot of situations with neighbors in the past. And it's nice having that autonomy, right? It's nice being in a house and it's nice having the space. And I don't have a lot of greenery here. I live in a very dense concrete urban part of LA, right? So that's another consideration is like living in the concrete jungle where I'm literally surrounded by concrete. My front yard is concrete. My backyard is concrete. It's not the most natural living space. But I think the big thing for me is not just the financial consideration of moving to an area that is more financially agreeable to buying a place and having that be in alignment with my income. But also I want more nature wit, you know, so you mentioned like an hour outside of LA. So I am considering Washington, Oregon, you know, specifically Vancouver, Washington, Portland, or Austin, Texas. And even though we're still kind of new in dating each other, my girlfriend, Laura, she's been an Angelino her whole life and she's also keen on leaving. So we talk about that from time to time, like what feels good to you? what excites you. And we have those kind of ongoing open conversations about it. But a buddy of ours, Ryan Carnes, last year moved to Crestline, which is near Big Bear. That's about an hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes southeast uh, near the San Gabriel Mountains. And he's been in Crestline for like nine months and he loves it. He drives into LA for auditions when he needs to. But especially during COVID, he's just been holed up in his kind of like Luxo cabin in Crestline. And you know, again, he pays a lot less money there to live in LA than he does in LA. And he still has access to the things in LA he needs to. So I've also looked at properties in Ojai. I really love Ojai, but there's been a lot. Ojai is not really affordable anymore. A lot of people have left LA and moved to Ojai and driven the prices up there. So I don't know. I consider maybe being an hour and a half outside the city, but I haven't found anything yet that's been like, oh, that's definitely the thing. So I think to me, what I'm looking for I'm looking for like four or five things, right, in this move. I'm looking for a better affordability rating where I can afford to buy property and have that be compatible with my other financial goals. 
I'm looking for more nature and less concrete. I am looking for access to a really good community of people with food and music and culture and connection. And I want cleaner air and cleaner water. So those are really like kind of the five things that in my mind, Whitney, I have as an aim in my head. You know, I'm looking at those five things. I know they're there. I know they're really important to me. And I haven't yet felt definite, right? The, the reason you ask is like, if I knew it was definitely time to move, I would move is because I haven't necessarily decided that there's a place that meets all those factors for me, right? It could be Portland. It could be Washington. It could be Austin. It could be an hour, two hours outside of LA. I just haven't been like, ooh, that's the place. And so the reason I haven't left LA is because I don't have a clear, crystal clear, definite hit on what that next move is going to be. So until I do that, I'm going to stay put because I don't want to make a move out of desperation. I don't want to make a move out of stress. I don't want to make a move out of anxiety. I don't want to make a move out of feeling pushed out. I want to make a move that like, this feels like the right next choice. This feels like the right next chapter of my life. And I'm moving forward with a sense of confidence and clarity. And since I don't have that for the next place yet, I'm still, I don't know, on a research mission, I guess. Well, I think that's great. And I think if you move and feel fully like excited about that, you know, another thing that comes to mind is the option of a more flexible move. One thing that has grown in popularity over the past five years or so is people traveling around in vans. And I've been paying a lot of attention to this and You'll see them a lot on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, these videos of people, typically millennials, but not always, that live out out of a, a van or a camper, an Airstream. Actually, even my friend's dad, who I think is in his 60s, he's doing that too. And it's so cool. Like That's something I yearn to do. And I fantasize about doing sometimes. And one thing I like about that is being able to move around the country to try to feel out where you want to be and give you that freedom to just be wherever you want. And maybe you'll do that for a long time or maybe it'll be a short period of time. Years ago, back in like 2012, I think, I met this couple through my work with Eco Vegan Gal. And this was in the early days of Airbnb. So much so that like, not a lot of people talked about Airbnb. It was kind of like something maybe you knew of, but it was nowhere near as popular or as utilized as it is now. And this couple traveled around the country continuously from Airbnb to Airbnb. And they would rent these places for a month or so, however long they could. And they had all of their possessions in an SUV. I think they had a dog. And they just went around and lived wherever they could. And it wasn't that they were homeless. That was their complete choice. Like they enjoyed that lifestyle. And I remember that's when I started to be really interested in this idea of mobile living, like just being able to pick up and leave based on where you want to be. And I think that's really neat, but it definitely requires planning and not being attached to something. And I've even seen like houseboats. <laughs> there was one style, I forget what it's called. It's still a boat because it's on the water, but they're like these thin type of boats that go in canals. And I was like seeing videos about them and how people will just move and they, they just 
switch ports, you know, like they just go to a different part of the canal or the river or whatever that they're on and how cities have all these different regulations and how long you can stay and where you can park your boat and all of that. And I just think, how neat. But then simultaneously, I get overwhelmed, you know, like the idea of living out of a a van or an airstream. It's like, oh, okay, well, you have to buy one. Some of them need to be fixed up. I just saw one the other day, or maybe it was earlier today on TikTok. The guy was saying his was $100,000, which actually isn't that much compared to buying most homes. No, not at all. It's not an always an airstream. What's the other term for... The other big one that's super popular is the sprinter vans. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. It was like that or something in that realm. And... It's kind of like a luxurious experience. And then there's some people who buy like buses, like school buses, and they convert them. And that's really popular, especially for people in their 20s. I see a lot of them doing this. And some oftentimes couples will do that and they'll like completely convert it. That's so cool. But I don't know if I have enough desire to like learn how to build that myself. One that I saw recently, it was a couple and they had a composting toilet in their van but it was stored underneath the sink and everybody was like, okay, wait a second. Your toilet is under, not under the sink. It was like in the kitchen in some cabinet and they would pull it out to use, but they would pull it out and it would be in the middle of their van. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone was like, are you telling me that you're close enough to your significant other that you will use the bathroom in the middle of your kitchen in front of your significant other? And I was reflecting on that. And a lot of people were saying like, well, most people that have vans don't even have a bathroom. They have to like go find one or use the one out in nature. And so that was a good point. But it just it's that concept of how your privacy goes away in your space. But then what do you get in in return? You get so much freedom and you get that ability to move around wherever you want. And maybe your cost of living is really low. And certainly it's more complicated for someone like you, Jason, and especially in your current relationship. You have two people plus, what, eight animals combined? That is correct. (laughs) That wouldn't be a sprinter or an Airstream or a bus. We would need to like buy a semi-truck and convert the rear cargo area to a living space. (laughs) And that's the other thing too, right? It's about the stage of life that you're at too, I think, right? Because if you are a person who is a millennial or Gen Z and you you have a, a, you're partnered and maybe you have a dog or a dog and a cat, you could do something like this, right? You don't have many physical possessions. You know, I'm at a stage of my life and this could change, but right now, you know, I'm approaching my mid forties. I have five animals. I have a house. I have things. I have my musical gear. I have my recording equipment. I like my stuff. I'm by no means a minimalist, but I'm not a hoarder either. I think I live a pretty minimal lifestyle. But for me, if I were to do something like this, because I'm not going to get rid of my animals, it's not an option. They're family and I would caretake them. It would be me like, driving them back to Detroit and being like, mom, can you take care of these animals for a few months? And like maybe going on the road, maybe not a permanent thing. But if I were to do this kind of on the road type of adventure, it might be for like a few months at a time or a quarter of the year. Because I love traveling. I love going on road trips. I love flying. I miss that stuff. But I don't necessarily see myself having a permanent nomadic lifestyle. That's never anything I felt called to do. But the idea of packing up a camper or an Airstream or thing that I'm towing behind a pickup truck and going on the road for like four or five months, that sounds hella fun. I just don't know that 
given my personality and where I'm at in my life, Whitney, that I would want to do that all of the time. Yeah, there's a lot of considerations to make. I guess I just put that out there because I think it's really tough to move from a place like Los Angeles that you've lived for a long time because there might be a lot of elements of living here that you don't even fully recognize or are conscious of, if that makes sense. And what do you mean when you say that? You might not anticipate things that you're going to miss or things that are going to feel like, oh, wow, I didn't realize how important that was to me. Mm. To your point, like you might get excited about a city, but there are always pros and cons about them. And it's almost like what's better, like the devil, you know, or something, you know, like pros and cons of Los Angeles, like you move somewhere else. And are those trade offs important for you? And um, I think it's trickier in certain cities that when there's such a strong culture, like I think any major city in the world has people that are so gung-ho about it. Like no matter what happens in Los Angeles or New York City or San Francisco, Portland, Austin, there are some people that are like, I will always live here and I love this place and nothing is better than it. And you kind of get very used to it and dedicated to it. And I think I probably have felt the most of that in LA. I've lived in Boston, San Francisco, and LA for the most uh, periods of time. And I love Boston and San Francisco, but I'm not like, I have to move back there. You know, they have a lot of pros. Yeah. I love New York too. I haven't lived there for an extended period of time, but I've never felt like I had to move there. You know, like I've felt very tempted by it. And so, I think that's part of it that you check in on is really noticing how you feel in in your area. And like, maybe it's just taking a really deep intentional practice around it and writing these things out. Like, I don't know if you've done this, Jason, but a pro and cons list of every single city and then actually looking at it and saying like, am I making this decision just for finances alone? Like if that's the main reason, like what could you do to shift it and figure out a way to make it work? Because I think overall, you seem to be happy in Los Angeles. Like a lot of the reasons that you bring up, I feel like could be overcome for keeping you here. And I'm not saying that just because I want you to be here, but really considering that because if you leave here, it's also hard to come back. (laughs) Like if you go somewhere else and it's a lot less expensive, it's going to be such a shock to try to reintegrate back into the city. Right. And that's why I think that I am making this decision uh, let me let me say this i think that's what you just nailed is i have felt that completely and i think it's the reason i'm being so deliberate with making a decision is i know that i just instinctually that if i leave i am not moving back here like i'll come back for visits of course i mean you're here michael's here there's so many wonderful friends and people I consider family here. But I know that if I leave the LA metro area, or let's just extrapolate and say, leave Southern California, I'm not coming back. Like that's a big move. I don't think that there would be anything to bring me back. So I think that is one reason you nailed it. And I have felt intuitively felt that Whitney, that if I leave, like I'm gone. So it's not a light consideration for me. And it also goes back to like, yeah, I think writing the pros and cons list is important. I also know, though, that it's a mix of what are my future aims? You know, what's important to me? As I mentioned, I'm pretty clear on what's important to me. I want to save more money. I want a lower cost of living. I want more nature. I want a really great community, which I do have here in LA, but I know that there are other cities that have great 
art, music, food, culture, communities, diversity, and then cleaner air and cleaner water. I mean, I'm doing all this not to bash LA, and I hope I'm not coming across. I, I do have deep love for Los Angeles, but in addition to the culture and the food and the art and the music and the great things, you know, it's one of the most expensive places on earth to live, at least where I'm at, dirty. The air is not great, and there's not a lot of nature unless you can afford to live in it. So, to your point, I think it would be good for me to whiteboard it because I haven't done that yet. And being the fact that Portland slash Vancouver and Austin seem to be the front runners, it could be interesting to just, you know, maybe this weekend go to my whiteboard in my office and go, okay, like, boom, LA, write a list. What are the pros and the cons? Boom, here's Austin and boom, here's Portland, Vancouver and, and literally put it on paper because it's all been in my head so far. There's a deeper level, I think, of deliberation that can occur when you get things on paper. And as much as you know, you and I love technology, and I know you're gung-ho about to-do lists, I texted you my to-do list, which is written out on a, on a sketch pad, because that's how I like to work best, and that's how I get through my work responsibilities. So similar to that, I think that your suggestion is a sound one. And I also trust that when I know it's going to be time to go, it's going to be time to go, and it's not quite there yet. I feel that it's getting closer than further. You know what I mean? Like I'm getting closer to some decision then further away from some decision. Well, I think that's great, as we like to say. That's (laughs) great. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you're taking a really great perspective on this. And this is helpful, hopefully, for other people who reflect on these things too. Because many of us get to a point where we have to decide, do we want to stay where we are or leave and transform and make that transition? And I guess the good news is that it usually doesn't have to be permanent. And I think it's really helpful for us in our personal development to move. You know, every time that I've lived in a different home, different city, I have learned something new and they've been different phases of my life. And I think one thing I like to reflect on for myself is, am I staying in Los Angeles because of attachment? Is it feel so comfortable that it it just has become challenging to change. Uh, you know what I mean? Yes. And that's part of the reason why I have trouble letting go of things is because I like to hold on and I it's hard for me to like make finite decisions until I have to. And this is true for me in most of my life. Like I usually always do things last minute because I thrive when I'm being pushed and forced into into things with deadlines. And otherwise, I enjoy staying in the gray area because that gives me a lot of flexibility. And I again, there's pros and cons to that too. You know, I think as long as overall things feel positive, that's what's most important. And like I said, Los Angeles for me just feels good right now, but a lot could change. And it does sound kind of exciting to move. It does sound nice when I hear people talk about the, the nice homes that they have because of where they're living. You know, one other person that comes to mind is our friend Karen Beginsky, who I think was our first guest ever on this show, right? She was. Yeah. And wasn't technically the first episode because we had a few before her of our own, but she was our first guest on the show. And when we went to visit her home with her husband, outside of uh, Denver, right? It was Denver, not Boulder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Denver. Their home is so cool. And actually, for the listener, you should get excited because you will see a little bit of their home in an upcoming video that I'm going to release soon based on that trip that Jason and I took when we were starting our podcast. And 
that video is almost done. Maybe in the next few weeks, I'll release it and I'll, I'll include it either in the show notes here or you'll see it on social media. And Karen's in it. Kelly's in it, as we mentioned earlier. So you kind of get to see what their lives are like. And I remember being in Karen's home and just like thinking, wow, like this is just so nice, you know? And when you walk into someone's home that they're able to afford because of the city that they live in or because their expenses are lower and you think of that as a trade-off. But then simultaneously, I get equally excited about small apartments in New York City. You know, like to me, I would rather live in a tiny place and be in an amazing city than live in a huge house and be like, I don't know if this is the place for me, right? But then the nature thing comes into consideration and it does sound really nice having access to a beautiful nature-rich area of the world. But you can even get that in Los Angeles, you know? So I think that you do need to write all these things out as on a list. And I'm not just talking to you, Jason. I think anybody else who's considering this and reflecting on their lives. And we certainly would be interested to hear from you, the listener, to see if have you made a move recently or in the past? And how did you make that decision? Have you been thinking about moving again? What does that feel like to you? You know, when one of my friends who does live in Los Angeles was talking to me about moving, we were discussing it in her backyard very recently. And I was just sitting there thinking, wow, like how the heck is she and her family going to pack up from this home that they have lived in for so long? Like, that's just such a big change to let go of this house and to like, go through that process of finding a new house and to packing up everything. Like that's just so much work, you know? And for some people, a move is a huge decision and it takes so much work. And for some of us, it's really easy and we can just do it whenever we feel like it. And for someone like you, Jason, you've moved around so much. Like I think part of it is that it doesn't even feel that difficult for you to move. And maybe that impacts your choice a lot. I don't know that it doesn't feel difficult. I actually I actually feel like this potential move feels scarier than the others. And it's probably because I have set down some roots here in the sense that other than growing up in Detroit, I have never spent 14 years of my life in any other city. You know, it was like three and a half years in Chicago, it was like a little under a year in New York, about a year in the Bay Area. It was a summer, you know, a few months in the UK and Europe. So other than, yeah, growing up and being a child in Detroit, 14 years is the most amount of time. So it's not as easy as those other moves because it was like, oh, I've only been here three years. I've only been here, you know, nine months. I've only been here a year. Those were easier because I didn't have the depth of the community built or the depth of the roots that I do here. So I think it goes back to that point that you hit with as we're wrapping up here that there are things that I deeply love about Los Angeles. And the thing that I love most is the deep connections and friendships and soul family, chosen family I have found for myself. And that's not something that I take for granted. It's not something that I will throw out very quickly and make a rash decision. It's something that I know if I go somewhere, I'm likely not going to come back to Southern California to live. I will come back to visit, but I want to be sure that wherever I do choose to go next is something that feels in alignment on all those levels I mentioned. You know, it's on a level of material. It's on a level of spiritual. It's on a level of emotional. I think to your point, I am afraid to leave LA because it is familiar and it is comfortable. And I know my way around. It's so funny. You know, when I first moved here, it took me so long 
to get the lay of the land. You know, I first arrived in Venice Beach and I was like, okay, I'm going to learn the West Side. But then coming to Hollywood or coming to the Valley or coming to the East Side was like, oh my God, what is this world? Like, what the hell is Silver Lake? What the hell is Echo Park? You know, what the hell is Studio City? But after 14 years, like, I feel like I know LA like the back of my hand now, right? So that familiarity, that comfort, that, oh, I know this place. I suppose it's not so easy to give up. So yeah, it's an ongoing conversation. It's an ongoing exploration. And I'm not being hasty about it. I'm being feeling into it, being strategic, asking myself deeper questions, and we'll see what happens. But for the listener, yeah, if you have made a big move or are considering a big move during the time we're recording this, which is during COVID and there's so much uncertainty, we're curious how that's played into the factors for you, how that's affecting your family, how that's affecting your career, your finances, your emotional state. We really, really do love to hear from you. And if you want to email us, you will get to Whitney and I directly. Our email is hello at wellevator.com, which is also our website, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. You can go directly to the podcast section and see all of the show notes for this episode, all of the resources and websites, anything we've mentioned for you to get deeper into this subject matter. And uh, you can always DM us. We are on all of the major social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, YouTube. We're going to be also posting more clips of previous episodes on our YouTube channel. And I'm actually going to be going through, we have an external hard drive where I'm going to be posting when we were recording our previous episodes live with our guests, we'll be posting some BTS clips for you on our YouTube channel. So with all of that, Whitney, thanks for just going deeper into this with me. It's been something that's just been on my mind and my heart. It continues to be in you know, I always appreciate your perspective and feedback, not only as my co-host, but my best friend. So thanks for just, I guess, sifting through the puzzle pieces with me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for bringing it up. And don't forget, we have some fun things like we like to do at the end of our episodes, Jason. I, thought, I felt like you were right. you were skipping right over I that. I was. I was rushing to the finish line. <laughs> I was. I was. You're not in the clear yet. <laughs> Is there a brand that you would like to shout out today? There is. And I'm trying to remember, did you shout these guys out already? The frozen pizzas we got? Did you give those guys a shout out on the episode or was it just on social media? I don't think we did talk about those pizzas yet. I think I wanted to wait until you tried them. So I would love to hear because I actually haven't even talked to you. You just tried them yesterday, right? I did. And why am I blanking on the name right now? I feel like such an asshole at this moment. I think it's La Mora is how you pronounce it, but let me make sure. Yes, it is La Mora Pizzeria. Yeah. Yes, thank yes. you. Oh, I love seeing you even through in the little accent and pronunciation. <laughs> La Mora Pizzeria. Yeah, they're a local pizzeria in LA and, and they reached out to both Whitney and I and they have frozen vegan pizzas. They sent me two of them. I think they probably sent you two as well. I tried it for the first time last night, Wit, and it was really good. They had like artichokes and spicy pepperoncini peppers and spinach. And I thought their vegan cheese was good. I got to say this though, my favorite part about that pizza experience. Wait a second. Yours had vegan cheese? Mine, I don't think mine had any cheese on it. I think it was all just veggies. Oh, interesting. Wait, yours 100% had vegan cheese on it? I could have sworn it did. Huh. Oh no. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm mixing it up with a different <laughs> vegan pizza I had earlier in the week. My apologies. Oh, okay. It was veggies and sauce. I've been on a pizza bender lately. But La Mora, the thing I loved most, their crust. For a frozen pizza, I put it on a pizza stone. I put it in the oven at 400 degrees for 10 minutes. 
holy shit, that crust, frozen or not, one of the best crusts I've ever had. It was I damn agree. good crust. It reminded me of two, three places, actually. It reminded me a little bit of Pura Vita pizza, which we love. Yes. It reminded me of that place that you and I went to right before quarantine started, which name I'm blanking, the one on Robertson. Yeah, and I think you're going to probably bring up the Baltimore, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, of course I am. Yep. But what's the place called on, on Robertson that we went to, that pizza shop? I'll look it up. What's the one called in Baltimore, though? Do you forget that name, too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. At least we remembered uh, La, La Mora. Yeah. What? It's like a it's a brick fired. I think the one on, on Robertson. Yes. Verde is the one in Baltimore. And Pizzana, I think, is the one in West Hollywood that we went to. Very good. See, we did it. We did it. We did it. Yeah. So we're getting all the pizza recommendations. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're pizza connoisseurs, though. Like, we appreciate a good pizza. I would say, you know, Whitney, you and I have had a lot of pizza over the years, and there are outstanding highlights. But I got to say, the La Mora crust is, I mean, my God, it's for frozen freaking pizza. It's crazy good. Agreed. And the other places we mentioned are restaurants. And I think La Mora has like a, a truck or something. Is that right? Yeah, I believe they do have some sort of physical way. But during COVID and quarantine, they pivoted to sell these frozen pizzas and they do have a vegan version. And I think it's about $15. We will link to how you can order their frozen pizzas and get them delivered to your house. But I got to say, they're great. They are available currently as of the time that we're recording in Los Angeles and the OC. But they're working on nationwide shipping so that anyone in the U.S. can try their pizza, which is really exciting. And I hope that they offer a vegan cheese because most of their pizzas are not vegan and the cheese on them looks really amazing. But I thought that the toppings on the vegan pizza were so great that I didn't really miss cheese. I did end up adding a little bit. I put a little bit of Kite Hill ricotta cheese on it, which was awesome. All right. I got two of the pizzas like you did, Jason. One of them, I had some, (laughs) this is kind of funny, leftover Dea macaroni and cheese sauce, which I put a little bit on the pizza as well. That was pretty good. Not the greatest combination. And then I might have tried a little with some Vile Life Feta, which is one of my favorite cheeses. Those are just cheeses I had laying around. I'm sure they would have been great with Miyoko's mozzarella. Or Vile Life's shredded mozzarella would have been good on that too. So you could certainly add whatever vegan cheese of choice you would like to uh, give it that traditional cheese flavor. Yeah. What's your brand, Whitney? What's your shout out for this episode? I did not come prepared. I was hoping that I would think of one off the top of my head. (laughs) But I don't know. I do have some that I'm excited about. Like there's a bunch of brands that have been trying. I mean, we're going to be getting shipments from uh, New Wave Enviro. So that's coming up. They're sending us some products. Apparently, we're going to be like the first people to try them, which is really exciting. So this is like a little teaser preview. Let's see what else. Well, I'm about to do some sponsored content on my Eco Vegan Gal channel. So I guess I might as well shout them out. because This is one of the coolest things I've tried. This is like a little bonus because they're only paying me to shout them out on my Instagram and blog. But I genuinely was floored by this product. It's a brand called Biochem. 
And just as a side note here, we've been sponsored by Sun Warrior on the podcast and we love them, but we're not exclusive with them. And frankly, there are other protein brands that we enjoy. We love Truvani. We love Organifi. There's so many great plant-based protein products. And so as I talk about in my blog post about Biochem, I'm generally skeptical. I'm like, eh, vegan protein, like whatever. But they are a really cool company. They've got a great website that drew me in. And then I saw their ingredients and they're super unique because they add all sorts of fascinating things into their formulation. The two that I tried was a chocolate vegan protein, very simple with pea protein, hemp seed protein, and cranberry protein. Whoa, cranberry protein. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, that's unique. I got to try that. But let me tell you, the one that I was absolutely blown away by is called their mood formulation. It's plant protein plus, and it's got a vanilla flavor, but like some undefined floral flavor. I don't know if that flavor... <laughs> what? I can't get to the bottom of it. And actually, I was going to ask you, Jason, because it has ashwagandha, moringa, and passion flower in it. And I don't know if any of those three ingredients added to the flavor of like some floral, like almost like a jasmine type of flavor or if it's like passion flower makes sense yeah for sure i mean i don't know what that tastes like just by name but there's also shiitake in it pumpkin and water lentils it's like an incredible formulation i almost my jaw dropped when i tried it like i was blown away i had zero expectations i mixed it into water and i was like what the heck is going on and then i blended it into i think some milk really great. And then as you'll see, if you want to click over to my blog or my Instagram, I turned it into fat bombs, which are like a big keto staple. And that's basically some sort of high fat content. In this case, I used peanut butter. And I mixed the powder into peanut butter with a little salt and made these little like cookie shapes and put them in the freezer. And now I have these delicious high protein fat bombs, which are great for an energy boost or if you're having a craving for sugar. And because the protein powders are sweetened with monk fruit and stevia, I didn't need to add anything else. It was literally those three ingredients and it was so satisfying. So that's my new favorite protein powder at the moment, that specific mood formulation, which is designed to help with tension and stress and tiredness, which are things that I've been struggling a lot with during COVID. So it was one of those like blessings because a lot of times I take a risk when I'm working with sponsors. It's kind of weird. Like a lot of sponsors want you to agree to work with them before you've even tried their products. (laughs) You know what I mean, Jason? Like, I don't know if this happens to you, but I get outreach all the time and I kind of just will say yes. I could certainly back out of a deal if I hated their products, but I didn't expect to love Biochem as much as, as I do. And I will still say that they are neck and neck with my other favorite protein powder, which is Sun Warrior's Salted Caramel. Well, I really got to try it now then. If you're saying it's neck and neck, I got to try it. Yeah. And they're two different experiences. A salted caramel is great in coffee. I bet you this mood formulation though, Jason, I would probably make it in a matcha latte for you because I think matcha and all those other ingredients from this protein powder would go so well together. and just like make you feel so elated. So 
Yeah, I guess that's my big brand shout out. I was trying to think of another brand besides one that I'm already going to be posting about, but that's the one that that has been like really exciting for me. I'm going to be trying some new chocolates uh, in the next week or so. I know also, Jason, you got sent the macaroni and cheese. Is the company called like Howl or something? I actually have two products that I'm going to be reviewing on my Instagram and we'll give them also a shout out once I do try them here on the podcast. Uh, Howl. They have a vegan cashew-based mac and cheese, and they actually went the extra mile. I asked for a gluten-free version, so their sauces and their spices are all gluten-free, but their actual boxes aren't yet with gluten-free macaroni. So they were so kind, they sent me two different flavors, and then they sent me separate packs of gluten-free elbows, macaroni elbows. So oh, I should ask for that too. They reached out to me, and I was like... Actually, they didn't even offer to send me products. They started following me and I messaged them. And the guy was like, oh, I started following you because of Jason and I'm sending him products. Do you want some too? And I said, yes, because I figured you and I could shout them out simultaneously like we did with La Mora. Right. Because I think as nice as it is to mention brands that neither one of us has tried, it's fun when we both have an experience with the same brand. Yeah, totally. That'll be fun. Yeah. The other one that I'm looking forward to that'll probably come near the end of this week or the weekend is called Shroom Meats. Shroom Meats. And apparently, this is something I'm sure our buddy Derek, buddies Derek and Chad Sarno would dig this because they love mushrooms so much. This is apparently a plant-based meat product that is made from mushrooms. So really excited to see how it tastes, how it works in a skillet and, you know, of course, the flavor. So yeah, going to be shouting out and seeing what shroom meats are doing too. Well, if you would like to try some of the biochem mood formulation, you're going to have to share your shroom meats with me, Jason. Shroom meats kind of sounds like a sexual term. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it kind of (laughs) does. Well, I guess on that note, that's our segue into the frequently asked queries portion. (laughs) It is. But I have to say that we had so many queries come in that I haven't kept up with. And it's so overwhelming to try to go through them all. And I haven't had a chance to really pick out any. And I feel bad because we haven't mentioned them in a little while. But we also have not received any feedback from people to see how much they enjoy them. I don't know. Watch now. We're going to get emails. Why aren't you guys doing the FAQs anymore? <laughs> They're so funny. The Here's moment actually an interesting doing one. <laughs> I'm just looking these up on the fly. Yeah, go for it. I want to know what you think. <laughs> I, I'm guessing this is something straightforward, but I don't have any idea why somebody searched for this and found our website. Okay. The query is donkey stroller. <laughs> <laughs> What in the fuck? Donkey stroller. Would this be a stroller that is in the shape of a donkey? Like for kids? Like I'm being, I'm on the back of a donkey, but the kid's actually in a stroller? Because I don't know that there would be any purpose for having a stroller to carry around a baby donkey. You would just walk the baby donkey. When the hell did we even say anything about a donkey or a stroller? <laughs> on any episode ever. That's what makes no sense is... It's not only what exactly is technically a donkey stroller, but when would we have ever mentioned either of those things in any context through the 113 episodes we've done? I don't recall talking about a donkey or a stroller. 
This is one of the more confusing <laughs> queries we've ever had. It really, I, I'm stumped. I'm actually stumped. Well, this is what's interesting about Google Analytics is a lot of the queries don't make any sense. And some of them I've told you are really extreme and I will never mention them on the podcast, but I'll tell you some of them privately, Jason, because a lot of them are very sexual. And I'm like, there's no way we were talking about that. But I think the way Google works is sometimes it just pairs together one word you said earlier with another word you said later. And that technically counts as like a search result. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's really also very interesting to me. But I'm a little disappointed to find out that a donkey stroller is neither a stroller that looks like a donkey nor a stroller that carries a donkey. Please don't tell me it's a sexual maneuver. No, not that I know of. Gosh, that's not what I came up with. Okay, God. There is a like really fancy stroller that's called a bugaboo donkey. And it's like $1,000 or more to get these. It's possible that like one of our previous guests that has a kid talked about this. I don't know. I don't recall that at all, but that's what it is. It looks kind of cool. I will say that I hope that if I do become a parent, that I have the financial means to buy some of these cool things because I don't know if I would want to spend $1,000 on a stroller. But like I was saying about my car, if you use something all the time and it brings you a lot of joy and it's convenient and makes your life easier, some of these things seem worth investing in. And strollers are pretty cool. Like a good kid stroller is smooth and it folds upright and looks neat and it can carry things. And this one is like pretty neat. I guess it converts into a dual stroller. So you can use it for one child. And then if your child expands, if not, if your child expands, if you're... (laughs) If you do that, depending on what you feed them. If you have another child, I guess you can use that. They also convert into car seats. Maybe, Jason, you know, if you continue down this path with Laura, you'll be needing one of these strollers one day. You keep sounding a little bit more interested in having children than I've heard you before. So... You never know. You might be the first of the two of us to have a child. Wouldn't that be ironic? (laughs) I mean, the world is like a Twilight Zone episode anyway right now. So, yep. yep, That's for sure. Um, All right. Well, the next random one that I saw that is just kind of weird, but maybe you'll have something funny to say about it, Jason. The search term is elder centipede. Elder centipede. That's what you said. Correct. Like a centipede who's on an age. The only thing that I can think about right now, and I don't think we even talked about this, is one of our old mutual friends, Christina Carrillo Bukaram, Fully Rock Christina. She recently moved to Hawaii with her partner Cash, and they are currently dealing with a centipede infestation at their home. But I don't think we've talked about that at all. But that's the only reference in my world to Centipede I can think of currently at the moment. Well, we did talk about that movie, The Human Centipede. Oh, right. Is it disturbing? Yes. On a recent episode, we'll link to that in the show notes about are we what we eat mentally, talking about the impressions that we have through violent content being, quote, food in our lives. Yes, we did talk about some of the most disturbing pieces of media we have ever seen. And yes, you brought that up, Whitney which I haven't seen and don't really have any desire to see. Correct. I like to keep that out of my mind. And I did not know that about the Christina's infestation. (laughs) So maybe when she comes on the show, she can tell us more about that because that sounds a little interesting. 
Let's see here. Well, there's another one that's kind of fascinating to me. It's a fake depression starter pack. (laughs) Fake depression. Fake depression. Hmm. I don't know. I can't imagine like, uh, they didn't have gluten-free tortillas at the market. Now we can't have taco night. God damn it. I don't know. I don't know what fake depression would sound like. I have no idea. All I know is what real depression feels like. And that's enough. Fake depressions. I have no idea, Whitney. When you hear fake depression, what comes up for you? Well, actually, it is kind of interesting. There is an Urban Dictionary result for this. And one of the definitions is teenagers who post their stories and write, please kill me. Oof. That's dark. Yeah. It seems like there's only one. Oh, no. There's a few here, actually. When someone is so desperate for attention, they pretend to have a mental illness. That makes sense. When they post about how bad their depression is when all they really want is attention. That makes sense. When they falsely exhibit symptoms of depression for the sake of getting pity or compliments. That's actually kind of interesting. Hmm. Or I think also like people that use phrases like I want to die or kill me now or yeah, they'll say things like that, which is kind of crazy how acceptable it is to say things like that just so nonchalantly. Yeah, it's also kind of like an offshoot of a lot of really kind of, mm, I find them semi-disturbing memes about millennials and Gen Z and depression that I see. Like, And there's a ton of them, but one of the ones that comes to mind is like an image of the Spice Girls. And it says like, you know, if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my rampant PTSD, suicidal ideation, thoughts of killing my parents, abject poverty. Like it runs down this thing and I'm like, ooh, like they're trying to like make a funny meme out of like their quote mental health struggles. But every time I see those memes, I feel so cringy. And so there's something I feel so off about it. Yeah, you've brought that example up before. I think that haunted you because <laughs> I think you saw that like a year or two ago. And, and yeah. it really stuck with you all this time. I'm not trying to take away anyone's coping mechanism if they're actually going through like authentic mental health, because I also struggle with mental health. That's something that is a foundational element of why we created this podcast. But I just think that there are ways that humor falls flat to me sometimes and when someone's like ha 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 yeah let's make fun of my ptsd and my suicidal ideation and the unhealed trauma from my parents and they go on these things and i'm just like are you actually like dealing with this in a real way of like therapy and somatic healing and adjusting your diet and limiting your is is your way of dealing with your perceived mental health making fun of it because to me my concern in a real way is like if that's a person's only way of dealing with it that's really concerning to me you know if making fun of it and making memes and like yeah we're all fucked up if there's nothing beyond that and i'm not assuming there is i don't know what each person's going through but i don't know when i see those memes i'm just like bad taste bad taste yeah it's tricky because some people don't realize that it's bad taste because it's so culturally acceptable or maybe they just don't care you know it's like just wanting to express yourself and not knowing how else to Yeah, it goes back to having compassion, right? Is that one of the foundational elements we always talk about here on the podcast. And one of the reasons that we bring, I suppose, such a variety of topics and a diverse amount of guests is we want to connect with different stories, different experiences, the challenges and traumas and triumphs people have gone through and are going through. And I think in a way, 
the more that we share those stories with and the more that we bring up these kind of different subjects, it engenders, hopefully, not only for us, a deeper sense of compassion and perhaps empathy and understanding, but certainly for the listener and anyone who's following the podcast to open your heart and open your eyes and your mind to what people who are different than you are going through. And I think that maybe at the core of it, Wit, that's maybe some of the deepest healing we can have or hopefully have on the planet is by bringing those perspectives and stories, we can open each other up to how people are coping and dealing with some of the most challenging aspects of being a human being on the planet, you know? Absolutely. So with that, that's that's our three for the day, isn't it? That's our three FAQs? I think so. I think we can leave it at that and just some food for thought. Yeah, as we do. As we do, dear listener, thanks for riding shotgun with us on this journey of This Might Get Uncomfortable and more to come. More to come as we dive deeper into who knows what. You know, we have some subjects we know we're going to start with and then others, it's just right off the top of the dome. So thanks for being with us on this journey. Again, follow us on all of the social media networks at Wellevator, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. That's also our website. And again, if you're going through a relocation situation, struggling with maybe what you think the, the next chapter of your life might be, you can hit us up through DM or email. And maybe we'll take your suggestion to make a new episode out of it. That's another thing too, is we love hearing episode suggestions. We've actually formed entire episodes when you're like, hey, why don't you do an episode about blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Your favorite breads. I don't know. We could fill a hole. I was really hoping you were going to put in some random example. You know what, though? I bet we could fill an hour about bread. We really could, Whitney. Could we? Yeah, hell yeah. I'm a bread connoisseur. I could do 15 minutes on pumpernickel alone. <laughs> I could do a straight 15 minutes on motherfucking pumpernickel. Oh, give it to me. So anyway, with that, dear listener, we're out for now. Thanks for getting uncomfortable with us. We love you. We appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with another episode. But I really got to know, like, are you serious? You could do an episode like 15 minutes minimum on pumpernickel. Like, that's not just like a joke. No, for sure. I could. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I love pumpernickel. I love pumpernickel bread. I suppose we could talk about sourdough as well, which, you know, that pizza we didn't even mention is made from sourdough crust. Yeah, That's why it was so good. It was really good. Yeah. Sourdough is pretty pretty good banana bread actually you're right we <laughs> Whitney we're doing an episode about bread damn it it's done it's done so dear listener tune in for our bread episode coming soon to this might get uncomfortable <laughs> Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.